The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. One of the first things that I tell people when they're like, oh my God, I'm scared. I'm scared to give birth. I don't know. I'm just scared is, okay, I hear you. But what are you actually afraid of? Let's break it down. I know that's like, you're like, uh, everything. (laughs) That's usually what people say when I ask them that. Maybe you're afraid of the location. Maybe you're afraid of the pain of contractions. Maybe you're afraid that you're going to die. Maybe you're afraid of, you know, your provider just told you that you were going to get induced and you're afraid because you don't know what the heck is going to happen and what the induction is going to be like. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the tools, knowledge, and confidence you need to erase the unknowns, feel in control, and have an even better birth no matter how you deliver. My name is Liesl Teen, mom of two, practicing labor and delivery nurse, and your host. From over eight years and counting of working at the bedside, I know that knowledge is the key to an even better birth. So tune in each week to learn about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum from me, a labor and delivery nurse that's seen it all. And now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You spoke and we listened. In this episode, I am going to dive into two more questions from our podcast listener line. Yeah. Remember we have one of those? It's pretty cool. (laughs) I get to hear your voices on the podcast. It's just cool. So today we will be talking in depth about breach positioning, what that means for your birth if your baby is breech how to V-back after having a breech cesarean, if you know you can V-back. And then we'll be unpacking pregnancy anxiety and fear, you know, just fear and anxiety related to birth. There was a good question about that. And this is actually, you guys know this, a big topic that I'm really passionate about is getting rid of that fear and turning it into another emotion besides fear, usually excitement. I want you guys to be excited about your birth. It's really one of the main reasons that I started Mommy Labor Nurse and this whole podcast and just everything to begin with, because I see so many people come in who are afraid, afraid of birth and terrified. And I'm here to help you rid that fear. So we're going to go into it. If you like this style of episode two, make sure you check out episode 168, 174, and 191. I'm going to leave links in the episode description for you if you want to check those out too. But for now, let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Liesl. I had taken your natural course and had to switch over to the C-section course because my daughter was breached. And it was great because of all of the education that you provided, but I still am just really hoping for that natural birth or even a medicated birth that's just vaginal, especially after my C-section experience. So I was just wondering, because my first baby was breached, what are the odds of our second baby also being breached and also having to have a C-section? And as a second part to that, do any hospitals in America let you um, deliver a breech baby vaginally or is it an automatic C-section every single time? Thank you. 
All right, we're going to be going. But first, into this episode, Breach, let's talk about it. You guys uh, know that I love dispelling that myth about Breach babies that, oh my God, my baby is Breach. Well, I guess it's not really a myth. It's more of just, mm, I just posted about it the other day. It's more of just like this worried feeling that, oh my God, if my baby is breech at my anatomy scan, like there's a good chance that I'm going to have a breech baby. No. Breech babies usually only happen in about three to four percent of pregnancies. Okay. If you've never had one before, which I know that this mama has, so we're going to talk about that stat too. But, you know, there's this misunderstanding of breech presentation and People get all worked up because they are told that they have breech babies. And then guess what? Their babies just usually 97% of the time, they flip on their own by the end of their pregnancy. No big deal. But like I said, hey, for this mom, for her first pregnancy, she was among that 3 to 4% that did not flip. So to answer uh, your first question, if you have a history of having a breech birth, you are a little bit more likely to have a breech baby the second time with your second pregnancy or subsequent pregnancies, okay? It jumps from, like I said, 3 to 4% to about 9 to 12%. So that's a good bit higher, but it's still not crazy high, right? It's not like you're you're set, like you know, oh my gosh, I had a breech baby and I'm there, you know, there's a good chance that I'm gonna have another one. No, you know, nine out of ten are not gonna have uh, breech presentations. And obviously that number is an estimate. Okay, it's the average estimate. It depends on your individual health history. Uh, some people have differently shaped uteruses, like if you have a heart-shaped uterus or if you have fibroids or you know, something else going on then that rate might be different. Okay, but that's the average reoccurrence rate. Now, to answer your other question about VBACs and vaginal breech birth, you certainly can VBAC if your baby is presenting head down with your next pregnancy. I always say that the number one thing that you should do or be concerned with um, if you're planning to VBAC is find a VBAC-friendly provider, okay? Because there are some providers who are more VBAC-friendly than others. Just some practices that are more VBAC-friendly than others, okay? So start doing your research in your area. For some people, obviously, it depends on where you live, you know, your location. Some people have the luxury of there's all these care providers in the area and I can really do my research. Other people, not so much. But if you do have the option of a few different practices, start doing your research. Start calling around or looking up hospital stats in your area because there's a lot of stuff that you can do too to hopefully have a successful VBAC. But it really, this is a team effort. It's really important to be with a skilled VBAC provider because like I said, there are some who, you know, it's almost like having a specialty per se. Some people just do VBACs better, I guess, than others. And some people have better resources. So it's not even about, you know, your skill set or what you're used to. Maybe there's a choice between two hospitals in your area. And one is a much larger hospital with a lot more resources and anesthesia in the house and all this stuff. And then the other one, they are a lot more limited. Well, obviously, that limited one is going to be a little bit less VBAC friendly because just of the resources. It's not anything to do with the individual practice that practices there. 
long story short, find a VBAC friendly provider. That is your number one goal. Even if you're not pregnant yet, you can start doing your research. Are feelings of anxiety and what ifs filling your head when you think about giving birth? I'm sorry if that's the case. Take a deep breath, grab my hand and join me for a totally free class to start gaining the confidence that you deserve. Gain instant access to my free on-demand workshop, Three Secrets to an Even Better Birth at mommylibernurse.com slash birth workshop. Inside of this 45-minute Go at your pace video class, you'll discover the three elements of birth preparation that pack the most punch. You'll learn strategies that you can use in preparation for birth and during labor, and you'll walk away with tons of actionable tips that you and your partner can start practicing right away. And guess what? There's so much more. <laughs> so sign up for free right now at mommylabornurse.com slash birth workshop. That's mommylabornurse.com slash birth workshop. Can't wait to see you in there. Now, as far as your question about vaginal breach birth, yes, definitely an option. I would say you probably have a harder time finding a provider who is proficient in vaginal breach birth with a, a first vaginal delivery over finding just a VBAC friendly provider in general, okay, if your baby's head down. But vaginal breach births do happen. I will tell you, usually they happen with twin deliveries. That's definitely not uncommon. Most providers are very proficient at that and well accustomed to a breach vaginal delivery after the delivery of, you know, that first twin or a vaginal breach birth where mom comes in really fast and the baby's just coming out. <laughs> there's no, there's no if, ands, or buts. But I would say most providers these days are not very comfortable with managing vaginal breach births in general. But there are certain providers who are. Let's just talk about vaginal breach birth for a little bit because I, I do think it's rather interesting. And maybe I can help you understand too some of the risks and why most providers nowadays are not super comfortable with it, okay? So number one, I would say most providers are not comfortable with it simply because we don't see it very often anymore. It's like people just don't have just regular old normal vaginal breech births. So it's not something that gets trained on as much in medical school or in you know midwifery school. So that's really like number one. But the thing that people always talk about with vaginal breech births is something called head entrapment. And it's a relatively rare thing that can happen, but it's scary. It's basically where the body comes out, the head is not coming out. Uh, and obviously, that is not good. We want the head to come out. We want the whole baby to come out. So it's usually more common with preterm babies. Okay, that's one thing, you know, ding, 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 like big thing to know about head entrapment is if you are less than 36 weeks and your baby is breech and you know, you're laboring, your provider is going to strongly suggest having a C-section over a vaginal breech birth. Because the thing with breech birth is that when the baby is sitting on your cervix, okay, we want to get to 
right? 10 centimeters, pores start pushing. And with preterm babies, their little bodies, the circumference, you know, of their bodies is quite a bit smaller than their little heads, their larger (laughs) heads. But with a full-term baby, it's actually pretty similar, okay? That's why vaginal breech birth is actually safer in a full-term baby. You would think it's like the opposite, but it's actually not because that body is heavier and it's bigger in circumference. So it can get to that 10 centimeters dilated and have the head kind of come through. Whereas a preterm baby, you might start pushing before that 10 centimeter mark. And if the baby descends and the baby's head is quite a bit larger than that body coming through the cervix, we're going to have some problems. You see where I'm going there. The other risk that we talk about with reach birth is something called a cord prolapse. That definitely can happen. And that is when your umbilical cord falls out of your cervix into your vagina. Sometimes it comes all the way out of your vagina. Seen that before. It's not fun. Um, but it basically comes out before the baby. We don't like that because the umbilical cord, what does it do? It feeds oxygen and nutrients and blood flow to the baby. And if it's getting squished at all, um, baby don't like that. So we don't want to have a cord prolapse. There are a few more risks, but those are the two big ones that usually providers will counsel you on when we talk about vaginal breech birth. Like I said, it is possible. Some providers are much more proficient and comfortable with it than others. So if that is something that you're interested in, again, I would do your research and start interviewing providers in your area and say, hey, I'm pregnant for the second time. I have a breech baby. What is your philosophy on vaginal breech birth? And you will hear all different things. (laughs) So that is my advice on that. All right, you guys ready for question number two? Let's hear it. Hi, my name is Katie. I'm pregnant with my first baby and I'm very excited, but of course I'm very nervous. My question for you is how do you kind of ease some of that anxiety about, you know, Terry, but also just about um, giving birth in general? It makes me very queasy. I know it's a beautiful thing, uh, but the thought actually makes me, you know, want to throw up, not in a bad way, but just, you know, feelings of like, I have a very deep stomach. So I didn't know if there was anything I could do that can kind of help ease some of the nervousness around it, but also kind of help with some of that queasiness. Thank you. All right. You guys know I love to talk about this. Anxiety, pregnancy, birth, there's a lot of it happening because it is scary. It is something that you cannot compare it to really anything else in your life. So obviously, you're going to be scared going into something that you've never, ever done. I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, and I know it's also in the courses. We have a whole section about fear and overcoming fear related to birth because it's not just you know, when we talk about fear and birth, it's not just like one thing, okay? It's not all grouped together. There's all these different reasons why you can be afraid of your births. One of the first things that I tell people when they're like, oh my God, I'm scared. I'm scared to give birth. I don't know. I'm just scared is, okay, I hear you. Like I just said in you know the beginning, like I get it. I get it. It's scary. But what are you actually afraid of? Let's break it down. I know that's like you're like, uh, everything. (laughs) That's usually what people say when I ask them that. But okay, everything. Let's break it down. So you're afraid of the pain. Okay. You're afraid of contractions are going to hurt too much. Yes. Check. Okay. So are you afraid of where you're going to give birth? 
yes or no. You know, I, I'm just I'm just giving examples, but you can see how you can start to break it down. Okay. Maybe you're afraid of the location. Maybe you're afraid of the pain of contractions. Maybe you're afraid that you're going to die. Maybe you're afraid of, you know, your provider just told you that you were going to get induced and you're afraid because you don't know what the heck is going to happen and what the induction is going to be like. Maybe you're afraid that you're going to go labor too quickly and give birth in the car. Maybe you're afraid of pooping or tearing or you know, like you said, you named off a few in your question, but you can see where we can start to break this stuff down. And once we break it down, I always tell people to do this. It's a writing exercise. Okay. (laughs) Um, Write it all down. So then it's in front of you and it's not just all circling up in your head anymore. It's in front of you. Once we identify what we're actually afraid of, we can start to bridge that little gap between, oh my God, it's so scary to, oh, okay. Maybe if I learn a little bit more about this, that actually doesn't seem as scary anymore. Maybe I'm I'm still a little bit afraid, but it's not as bad as it was. So that's always number one. What I tell people to do is break those fears down as much as you can, honestly. And then guess what? You just start check, check, checking them off. And hey, that's where I come in. I got you. Okay. We can start checking them off together. That's why I'm so passionate about education, you guys, because it really goes back to that. Anxiety is so based in a lack of education. And I don't mean for that to sound negative. I'm not trying to say, you know, because you don't know anything that, you know, that's what's going to... No, okay. But it is true that if you learn more about something that you are afraid of, it's almost like immersion therapy you start to become a little bit desensitized to it and it feels more achievable. All right. The sound of that heartbeat means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. All right. This one's from Instagram. She says, I just wanted to say thank you for your awesome Birth It Up course. This was my second birth and my second C-section. I was diagnosed with help with my firstborn and had an emergency C-section at 27 weeks and five days. Ooh, yeah, that's rough. That's rough. So I was very antsy about having another baby, but your course helped me ease a lot of fears and gave me a more clear understanding of everything. I can happily say that the C-section was amazing. Yay, that's so great. I hear that a lot, that especially when you have a first, uh, I mean, even if you have a traumatic vaginal birth, but if you have, you know, a non-control, like an emergency C-section or just something wasn't right about your first C-section, then having a second C-section that is nice and controlled and you know what you're going into, it can be so healing from that first experience. She says, before baby was born, during and after, I was so relaxed, the entire OR team and I were joking and laughing and discussing everyday things. Little dude was literally pulled out during a fit of laughter. Oh, that's so great. Thank you for making this experience a dream compared to the first. You are so welcome. And she sent a cute little picture of her little baby boy. He's wearing like, it's like a gray little, um, little gown, like a little newborn gown. And he has like a little animal blanket kind of back behind draped over his hospital bassinet. He's very cute. If you want to have an even better birth, just like this mama, head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash courses to learn more about our three online on-demand birth classes. Now, 
I don't want to just leave you with that because I know that kind of sounds general, but that really is the answer to this question is break them down and then kind of see where you're at. You mentioned tearing. Let's go through that one together. So if someone were to say, I am afraid of birth and I wrote down all my fears and my number one thing is I am afraid to tear. This is what I would tell them. First of all, tearing is quite common. And there are certain things that you can do, some things you can do to help prevent tearing, but it is quite common. It's one of those things that it's probably going to happen if you're a first-time mom. It might not, but first-time moms have about an 85% chance of tearing, at least in some regard. But all tears are not the same. They are scored in a series of uh, degrees. So if you think about your perineum, it's like a little... I almost said sandwich. It's not a sandwich, but I'm thinking like layers, okay? (laughs) It's not a sandwich, Uh, but there are layers, okay? So there's the skin, right? And then there's the muscle that is kind of around your perineum. And then there's the muscle that is around your butthole, okay? And then there's your butthole. And so 93 to 94% of people who are gonna tear are gonna tear to that either first layer, that skin, or the second layer. So that's the muscle that surrounds your perineal muscle. So you have a pretty good chance if you do tear, it's not going to be what we classify as a severe tear. There are certainly people who do, of course, right? But just know that as a fact. The other thing I tell people in regards to tearing is when a baby is coming out, it usually hurts just as much as it would if it were coming out and it were tearing. There's a lot of stretching that's going on. And it's not to say if you have a severe tear, yeah, that's probably going to be a lot more painful than having a bad baby vaginally and not tearing at all. Okay. But just the act of tearing isn't the part that makes vaginal birth more painful. Vaginal birth in and of itself, there's that ring of fire. Even if you get an epidural, a lot of times moms still feel some degree of that ring of fire. There's that ring of fire. And like I said, there's a lot of stretching. And whether you tear or not, that moment right there is not going to hurt much more whether or not you tear. Now, what about the after effects? Okay. Because obviously that's a big one. If you tear, you have a secondary tear. Okay. You've torn into that perineal muscle. There's going to be some degree of a healing time and there's going to be more pain down there than if you didn't really tear at all. Now let's talk about the stitching up process and then we'll go into kind of postpartum, okay? And the the recovery there. So let's say you deliver, your provider is like, okay, you tore, I'm gonna need to, you know, we're gonna need to stitch up. If you have an epidural, they're probably not gonna have to give you any other numbing medication to assist in the stitching of the tear. Because usually epidurals, if it's a good working epidural, usually epidurals, can the anesthesia is good enough to where we don't need to give you anything else to make the process like better. You're numb enough down there already. If you had a baby without an epidural or if you didn't have an epidural and it wasn't working properly or just, you know, once they kind of start working down there, you're like, oh, no, no thanks. Um, There is medication we can give you to numb you up. We're not trying to just stitch you up plain being down there without anything. That's inhumane. We don't want to do that. Providers usually use lidocaine. Now, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a little needle that goes down there, but it's very quick. 
like a little bee sting. Okay. And then you get nice and numb there. And then they can go to work, stitch or tear up, call it a day. Again, though, honestly, these moms that tear and have had babies without, you know, epidurals, medications, that part, getting that lidocaine needle is like one, two, three, whatever. I just pushed a baby out. Okay. I'm not saying it doesn't, you know, there are definitely certain people who would disagree with me, but it's not that bad after comparing it to what just went through it. It's not like, oh my God, it's making it a whole lot worse. It's like, uh, I just gave birth. Okay. Like it's going to hurt a little bit, but whatever, it's going to get really, really numb. Does that make sense? Now, the recovery process. If you didn't tear it all, there's probably going to be still a little bit of soreness and pain down there for at least a couple of days, I mean, maybe a week even. You know, having a baby, it's a lot, even if you don't tear at all, okay? But if you do tear, it's going to be a little bit of a longer healing time than if you didn't. And that's why we have medications for a reason and tux pads. And usually people don't go back to work and are just doing normal activities. You're resting. We're changing our pad with each bathroom trip, but there's medications. Dermaplast is a really good one. It's basically like a lidocaine in a spray can. And it looks really scary. It looks like a big can of hairspray, but you just spray that all up in there, okay, with each pad change. And that really helps. There are also things called padsicles. You guys have seen that on my page. Um, we can do padsicles and that can help with the pain afterwards for sure. And keeping up on your oral meds as well. Tylenol, ibuprofen, around the clock. We don't want you to just be miserable, okay? That is not the goal at all. But there is definitely a clear management plan for postpartum tearing related pain. I hope that helps in terms of easing tearing related fear. But do you see how I did that? I just, I broke it down as much as I possibly could. And obviously, if there was someone sitting in front of me that, you know, we would probably be in a conversation, right? And you would say, oh, well, what about this? And I would say, oh, you know, this, that, and the other. And I would answer questions, but it really goes back to that. Just learning more about the subject can make such a difference, you guys. Oh, what a great little episode. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, if you ever want to hear your voice on the podcast, we have this nice little hotline that you can call and leave me a message and I can hear your voice and I can answer your question. All you have to do is call 919-213-8719. Leave me a little voice message. If you're chosen, then I'll play your little question and I can answer it on the podcast. It's lovely. All right. Next week, what is on deck next week? Let's see. Oh, we're doing a birth story. Okay, well, I will see you guys next week. Already feeling a little more confident about pregnancy, birth, and newborn life? Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can continue to erase the unknowns and never miss an episode. And if you're looking for even more, Instagram is definitely where I hang out the most. Come join our community of more than a half a million moms for birth education, tips, and solidarity. You can find me at mommy.labornurse. Check out today's show notes and a searchable library of every Mommy Labor Nurse podcast episode at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And while you're there, be sure to head to the blog to learn about our online birth classes too. See you next week. And remember, you can have an even better birth, no matter how you deliver.
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.